Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. And welcome back, Chelsea fans, to part two of this week's London Is Blue podcast doing the double duty again and this week we are joined by myself brandon dan nick and mike as usual jumping in with us so mike welcome to part two hey thanks for having me back yeah it's in the contract so let's not (laughs) be too appreciative i mean come on i'll burn it all down (laughs) uh i only kid as always um all right well now we are here to jump in to as always your social media questions from you, the listener. Uh, and then we're going to go ahead and look at Derby County and uh, maybe touch on Crystal Palace since those are Chelsea's next two matches this week. Uh, we are in busy season for sure. Uh, but all right, before we get into it, Nick, as always, we have our obligatory London trip announcement. Uh, we're getting close to full, which is bittersweet. It's exciting that we have that many people ready to come, but it's sad that we might have to tell some people no. Yeah, I just, we'll figure it out. I mean, what we want to do is just kind of figure out who is interested um, in pretty short order. So we're about you know, almost two months to the day uh, away from going. Uh, so December 29th through January 3rd. And then, you know, if you want to stay longer than that, um, we can work on that as, as well. Um, are, are the dates of the trip. Uh, we're going to see uh, Palace on the on the 30th uh, away. We're going to see Southampton on the first or on the second, sorry, at home. Um, and then, you know, just working on a bunch of uh, plans for New Year's Eve and sightseeing and, you know, pubs to visit and all sorts of fun stuff that we can, uh, we can drum up and maybe even a live show, maybe... Uh, some other goodies uh, along the way. So just really excited about this. Uh, we have about 22, 23 people signed up. Uh, we'd love to uh, love to answer your questions if you have them. Uh, don't be afraid. There are no stupid questions. Uh, the first time we went, we had to figure some of this stuff out for ourselves too. So uh, we're, we're happy to pass along any knowledge and, uh, and do what we can to help out. So uh, DM us on Twitter, on Instagram, at London Blue Pod, email us contact at London is Blue Podcast.com. 
Uh, one one thing, uh, you know, just before we transition off, um, it, we you actually, you know, it's a, it's a it's a time of year when uh, a lot of families spend time together, and actually we've been joined by like families on the trip before. I think like my, you know, Mike's a really good example of having done that previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, before he was kind of a member of the podcast here, we have another family that's joining us for this trip too. So it's not like just a you know come hang out and you know do London just solely with us. Like it's a great opportunity to you know spend time with your family too. And see Chelsea in the backdrop. So, like, it's a win-win in all categories. Definitely family-friendly. Family-friendly. Yeah, the trip can be whatever you want, obviously. it's Either way, it'll be absolutely fantastic. Uh, All right. Well, let's go ahead and see uh, what we have for questions this time. First one from at Jim and Jorginho. Love the alliteration there. Uh, super biased though says is Jorginho the best purchase in the top six this season I feel like that was a leading handle if we're if we're being honest with ourselves um, uh, probably probably yes though probably the, the answer would be yes considering the fact that I think he's almost 200 uh, passes ahead of the next closest individual right now uh, he's made the side tick and I think has elevated it in a way. You know, I know uh, we, we've you know had a conversation recently with uh, you know some of our past guests around um, you know the number of world class players in our side, and you know, I think we've talked about and Hazard and Golo Kante. I think were the the two identified, but I think you know in terms of being a regista and, and navigating play, Nick, you know, Jorginho is, is one of the top in the world in doing that, and I think it's just players. You know, people don't know about the players in leagues that they don't watch and, you know, to keep him from going to Manchester city. So keeping me strong from getting stronger and allowing him to basically take us ahead a couple months in what it means to play Sarri's type of football. I, I think it's, you know, the easily one of the best one, two or three signings out of any club this season. Yeah, I'd agree well, with that. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brandon. Well, no, I was just say, I mean, yeah, if you're talking about Spurs, summer signings you know what i mean nick oh it's a long list yeah long list brandon i don't know if we have enough time to get through all their signings um well no they they signed a bunch of construction companies um you know what uh they they came down with injuries uh very unfortunate and uh you know what it's just pushed back the timeline of uh the the stadium so you know uh, but hey their mega store is open which is really exciting you can go there and spend some money uh, and help finance uh, what is clearly a, a cash poor club. Yeah, they are they are struggling. Um, I would have guessed at the beginning of the season, and I did guess this, uh, that Naby Keita would have been, you know, a, a really great signing for Liverpool. Uh, but I think so far, Jorginho is is far and away uh, better than that signing. Um, and then you know, I think Riyad Mahrez was another one that I kind of was curious about, but I don't think he's done that much for. For City thus far, so um, he missed a pen. Yeah, he he skied that thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really early, but Jorginho's been uh, everything for Chelsea thus far. He sets the pace, he sets the tempo, he makes really great passes, uh, and you know, I think you know we could we can probably just jump on that bandwagon. I'm in. I'm on. Let's do it. Um, next one we have, let's see here, is from Chad underscore Pierce. Says, what do you think Barkley would go for right now on the transfer market? Just curious. I don't know, Mike. I mean, it's kind of silly because we bought him for such little amounts of money, but yet he is coming good for for us, you know, like well beyond a return that we could have ever imagined. Yeah, for sure. I mean, being English, I mean, you're looking at, what, 30, 40 million easy there, and then the form that he has. I, I'd take... Uh, 8590. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, I, I think I think he probably goes for 40 on the on the market right now. Yeah, I mean, he's only he's he's just getting back from this injury and he's just starting to find form. I don't think anybody would come in with a ludicrous offer for him. Well, don't forget the Brexit tax. So that might make it 45. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you got to figure out what the price of the pound is going to be in a couple months, uh, and then we can uh, make a determination. But I, I think I think he would easily go for you know fifty plus right now, um, just with the way the market you know is crazy for a homegrown um, English international who you know helps meet some chip check marks quota. Yeah, I mean if Danny Drinkwater is worth forty, <laughs> is he? Is he though? <laughs> yeah, maybe as a late payment for Conte. It could be. Well, that, that's, that's the only way that makes sense. There's no other way. Um, other than being just 
robbed in broad daylight. You know, he's like had like offered to take the robber to the ATM and punch in our code and show it to them, allow them to leave with the money and the ATM card, and didn't even call the bank to let them know that we had been robbed. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Well, next one is from uh, at the CFC 150 saying, how much of an influence has the calmness and elegant distribution of Kepa had on Sorry Ball and its effectiveness, do you think? I mean, Nick, obviously, I want to push this to you because, you know, you brought up Kepa's um, distribution in part one. Do you think overall he's had a huge impact on Sorry's ability to to play out from the back and maintain possession? Yeah, I think his distribution has been great. I think that, you know, in part one, I addressed the you know, it seems like there's been a little bit of uh, he gets a little flustered on the side to side distribution, especially when uh, opposing teams are high pressing. Um, you know, there are a couple of misplaced passes against Burnley, even that I was like, ah, yikes, I don't know what that's all about. Uh, but I think overall, he, he also put a couple on a plate today, uh, as Dan and Brandon had mentioned in part one. So uh, he, he's been he's been pretty good so far. I mean, there, there haven't been a ton of games where he's had to be the standout player, Brandon, but um, yeah, so far so good. That is the ideal job description of a goalkeeper is just chill, bro. Don't worry about it. We got it. Don't sweat it. Yeah. I, I, I want to say something here because um, I had to listen to Nick's earlier comments. I just want to be, I just want to think like what, what game were you watching that you were worried about Kepa's distribution? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, he held on to it too long, but in comparison to the donkey we had in goal last season, who was either kicking it directly to the opposition or out of bounds, um, his mastery, I would think, of his distribution has just been phenomenal. I mean, maybe occasionally, but again, I think we're playing the ball out of the back so often, and um, teams' really only chance to get that ball is kind of catch it, you know, on a defender or one of the backs, but I, I think he's pretty much handled it pretty much all of situations pretty calmly. So I, I know it, it struck me as a interesting conversation. Um, but well, when, when you're, when you're, when you're having so much fun, uh, on the, on the pitch and you're up four nil, you find <laughs> other ways to entertain yourself during a match, Mike. And mine was to look at the distribution of the goalkeeper. I, 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 I mark it up to the lack of beard. You've gone soft on us. Come on. Come on, man. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, how about this? And this is pretty interesting, actually, Dan. Uh, Ugo, Luke Schaff, and Josh all throwing this out there a little bit, saying, um, you know, was essentially without Ed Nezard, uh, is this a rebound that you get? Be it the team, you know, not having their star man on the pitch. Uh, Luke even saying, is this 11 stronger than with Ed Nazard because they play much more collectively as a team? And then Josh saying, would we be able to repeat the same team performance once Nazard gets back on the pitch? Uh, do you ever want to see an Eden Hazard-less Chelsea if he is fit? A hell no. Hell to the no. Preach, uh, what bro. I will say, though, is I think they make a really good point uh, collectively in that the... You know, so we've seen Barkley improve. You know, if Murata is scoring goals, uh, I think William is a little handicapped on the right um, when he plays compared to when he cuts in from the left. I, I think Nick made this a really good point in part one that you know he, he feels you know he can cut in on his right and shoot from his right, which is really a nice place for him to be in. And you know, you have a, a defense that was looking extremely exceptional today. I, I think the problem is that you, we need to see it repeated, right? So. If, and Hazard comes in, and we can do it two matches in a row, three matches in a row. We're beating teams three to nothing, four to nothing, the same way City are. Then we know that the the philosophy is put together, that the players are gelling consistently, and that we can we've created a replicatable product, which is the the truest form of success. Is when you can take something and do it again, rinse and repeat, do it again, and not have any issue or let down in it. But you know, Mike, I, I think. A, I never want to see a team without, you know, Chelsea team without a Hazard, but this was, boy, oh boy, this was a great one uh, in the day, but I would be concerned about it for an entire season or beyond. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to keep in consideration the quality of opposition we were playing, but I do think we do want to see the team occasionally without, you know, 
without Hazard because we're going to have so many competitions that it's important for us to be able to stand up and you know not rely on him. I, I think what we were seeing is teams uh, very much like a, a rookie quarterback's first year. Teams don't know how to defend us because if Murata is not falling on the ground and he's playing well and there's no you know there's no belgian to kick the shit out of you know how how do you how do you stack up against chelsea and i think on you know even more so you know when we're shooting the ball from distance on transition that's it's just a much different beast and i, I feel like any game plan that um burnley had kind of was thrown out the window it is probably more difficult when you have to plan for more than just one or two players, which is you know what they had to do. It's a little different when you don't know who Chelsea's focal point is going to be when they don't have Ed Nazard. Uh, our man Davies Lucande on Facebook saying, what did you guys think of William excelling in the Eden Azard role? I like how it's now named after Eden. He says, a like-for-like like replacement for Azard when he is not up to it, which is rare, or injured in this setup. So, I mean, obviously, Nick talked about how great William was. Uh, Mike, again, do you think it's just Burnley because he's playing on the left? Uh, anything? Yeah, I think it's Burnley, but I, I also think that some of William's best matches at times have been either on the left or without even on the field. You know, I feel like sometimes when we saw what was it, 15 16, his best season seemed to be when we were having our worst. I don't know what it is, and, and maybe he's just not playing in the right position. But um, I, I have to think that maybe if he had more shots at the left that or you know opportunities from the left, I think he might might do a little better. But, Dan, it's not going to happen unless Eden moves to central. And, uh, you know, Maurizio did – there was a quote pulled out that said he his biggest regret at Napoli was not playing Mertens in the middle sooner. So everyone's like, oh, that means Eden's going to the middle. Here it happens. But I don't really see that happening. So, again, I think William's going to have to probably learn to adapt and, and just become more of a threat on the right. Yeah, I think the challenge is, is that, you know, it would be great to have William contribute goals at a plus 10 level, which is something that he has not done um, in a league season since joining Chelsea as a, an attacking player. Um, however, if he can create opportunities, if he can continue to distribute well and our striker and our, you know, whomever it might be, it's not going to be Giroud because, you know, I think Simon Johnson was pointing out on Twitter from the, from the standards, been on the podcast a couple of times that basically it's going to have to fall like off his ass into goal because there's just, it, he's seemingly incapable, you know, incapable of scoring a goal for Chelsea at this point in time. Um, so a striker and then, um, and Hazard, uh, if they're scoring the goals, then there's less pressure on William to score as many. It'd be nice to have him contribute at a higher level. But if he can offer a positive attacking value, uh, I think that's that's really all you would you know kind of hope for at this point. Uh, and then what's the long-term projected plan for who will naturally succeed him at some point in the future? Because I think, you know, as just with anything... Uh, there's not a lot of great future planning that's happened with the club in times. And it would be nice to kind of see some thoughtful, like, hey, you know, we either know that we have this great winger like Helm Hudson-Odoi, or we're going to go out and sign, you know, a talented player to help push up his level. Because when you looked at the bench today, we bring in Ruben Loftus-Cheek, um, who really doesn't excel at playing from the wings. He's does much better playing centrally in midfield than pushing the ball forward, kind of like what Ross does. Um, and we saw that in the Europa League match. But, you know, we, we didn't have Callum on the bench. We didn't have even put Victor Moses on the bench, which I think is an indication that he will probably leave at some point in the very near future. So uh, that is a position we're going to have to sort out beyond uh, the you know, parameters of this particular match. Shout out to Honkasaurus Rex for also thrown in on William. Uh, so we have a bunch, obviously, about Barkley, um, you know, Nick. I think that the, the one thing that everyone always get to, right, as we run is he's a starter. You know, Corey, our man at 38 Blues, as saying, you know, is he a locked-in starter now? Um, Jakob C. saying, do you see Barkley uh, starting in the future? Um, some light connections to, you know, playing a similar style to Frank Lampard. Uh, and then Polly Cracker also saying, again, Barkley over Kovacic, right? Uh, I guess, how far in are you on the Barkley hype train? Barkley's playing really well, but Kovacic has not been a chump either. Uh, so I I know everyone's just like desperate 
to you know see the change that they want to see with the players that they like. But um, you know, no, Barkley's not a locked in starter. I, I don't think so. I, I think that Kovacic is still uh, probably my preferred. You know, the the Jorginho Kovacic Conte midfield still my preferred lineup in big matches uh, in the midfield and. You know, if if Barkley does replace him as as the Premier League starter, that's a really great thing for Ross Barkley, and it's a really great thing for the team that he's stepped up to a level that he's consistently outperforming Kovacic in training. So, um, you know, I, I think I think you probably see uh, rotation, you know, more rotation in the midfield, especially with with Ruben coming on as well, but. Um, you know, I think there's just there's a lot of time to go here. This experiment is in its early phase, Dan. Yeah, so I think there's other reasons to want Ross to succeed over someone like Kovacic, and you know, I think you know Ross has kind of been in our lives either as an opposition player or now as a Chelsea player, and so like narratively, like we are connected more to the the success and the story of Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley is also a true Chelsea player. And I don't mean that to be disparaging to Kovacic, but he is on loan from Real Madrid. And there is every possibility in the world that at the end of this season, he might go back there and not return. And I think that's where, like, personally, myself, like, I would be very happy for Kovacic to be successful and to maybe add a goal or two to his game and to be a contributing part of our midfield uh, for the very, you know, for the long term. But I'm also probably predisposition to want to see Ruben and Barkley excel at a higher level because at the end of the day, like they are Chelsea's players. Um, they have long-term contracts with the club and that to me, you know, would kind of signal being able to spend elsewhere like uh, on right wing um, or in other locations that we kind of determine if other players leave or we, we sell anybody off. So I, I think Brandon, like that's where, where my feeling is. Like, I think we're just, you know, we're, we're all rooting for Ross because at the end of the day, Ross, like is, you know, it's, it's a feel really feel good story. And like, we've seen kind of had a chance to see that story play out in the media narrative. Whereas Kovacic, I think is just relatively unknown to the Chelsea community outside of what we know about him over this first couple months. I just think we don't have to jump to starter, non-starter debates right now with, again, the amount of matches being played in a week by Chelsea everyone's going to play. So the more people that are having great games, the better, because this is the time of season when you need everybody firing so that when you do have to rotate uh, and you don't um, have everyone up to their, their best, then you get in trouble because you're playing the same people over and over and over. So this, look, this is just nothing but good for Chelsea right now. Uh, all right, so now the, the pivot a little bit is to Ruben on this one uh ben jazav on instagram saying do you see ruben as a second striker like Cajon was at napoli mike rinaldi saying how likely is rlc to start seeing playtime quote out of position and quote like he did today aka in a wide position up top and then zach Kress even talking about a 4-4-2 makes sense with ruben left his cheek and the boss both playing well and he's saying instead of a 4-4-2 it's probably a 4-2-2-2 for you fifa heads um i you know Here's the here's the the ongoing problem, Mike. Is that what is Ruben's position? What is out of position for Ruben? He's been playing in the midfield three. Pedro gets hurt, immediately goes to Ruben. I mean, there was no doubt uh, Maurizio's mind when he when he called on him. I mean, to be fair, I, you know, you don't really have any other options because Fabregas is on your bench, Kovacic was on the bench, Giroud, Zapacosta, and Cahill. I mean, maybe Zappacost is a winger. So it makes sense that Ruben went in. But is this age-old, you know, question of what is position for Ruben? What is out of position? I think that he found space today. And when he runs at a defense, um, he is absolutely dangerous. I know he was chopped down uh, just past midfield when he was gone. He was about to be carrying it at speed at the defense. Um, but it didn't happen, unfortunately. I don't know. What do, what do you think about about Ruben's position, out of position situation? You know, I, I think for once, uh, and, and this kind of applies to a lot of the players on our field, I think we have a really, really good manager who's a player manager, and he's taking pieces. And, you know, we're talking about it. Is William in or out of position? Is, you know, 
is Ross Barkley in position, you know, even Kovacic, who was pushed to the right. I think we have a lot of players who have a lot of talent, and I think we're starting to see some really good situations to see, like, what really is best for them. And, and I, you know, overall, I don't think that um, – I think because of some of our issues in the past with playing youth and whatnot, I don't think Sarri's getting the plaudits that he deserves for what he's done to bring both Barkley and – Ruben Loftus cheek to where we are, you know, this week speaking about what is it now? Like eight goals combined or something crazy. You know what I mean? I, I think I think they've done a really good job. And I think because Sari's managing it, I think we're gonna continue to see this kind of evolving, you know, situational positions by these players. And uh I like that. I think, you know, I, I don't want to see a set starter. I don't want teams to be able to specifically game plan. I want them to have to guess, you know, is it going to be Barkley or Kovacic or Ruben Loftus-Cheek and who's going to be on the, you know, that right wing. I, I think that's going to be really, really good for the club. Um, and I think the important thing to me is seeing Ruben succeeding when he's on, on the pitch, you know, and he's he's doing that. So I think that's just going to continue to get him those opportunities when somebody gets hurt or, you know, when there's a chance you know, sorry can depend on him to play. So I think that's for me the the most important part. I listened to a Sky Sports little video clip on YouTube talking about Ruben Loftus Cheek, and this was uh, after the Europa League match. And of all people, Emma Hayes was on on the panel, nice. and she was saying that uh, you know it's no surprise, but inside Chelsea, um, Ruben Loftus Cheek's success is of high importance to the club um with that being said i'm sure a lot of people will disagree and say well it doesn't look like it but she said that you know they they are very careful with their approach of ruben and kind of where he goes and i i think that it is true that the club are really really anxious i wouldn't say desperate right but anxious for him to succeed and the better he can perform on the field, the easier it is. And look, uh, you know, Ruben can probably make it through, become a first team at Palace, right? No problem. He could do it at, at a mid-table Premier League team. But I don't think those are his ambitions. And, you know, that's not the club Chelsea are. So he has to step up to level and match it. And so far, we've seen some really, really good stuff from him. Uh, and the fact that he can do it uh, out wide, on the right, he can do it in the middle. I think that that just adds to his abilities to, you know, hopefully get close to making that jump and really establishing himself as a first teamer. He doesn't have to be a starter by the end of the season, but he has to be getting regular minutes. And I think he's on he's on that path. Yeah, I would say that too. I, I just quickly want to jump in on this one. I want to see Ruben succeed as the number eight that he is born to be. Uh, I don't want to see him moved around 40 different times this season. You know, I, th I think the best thing for him will be to solidify a position and really just keep driving and chipping away and, and just doing the business that it takes to be a starter in the Premier League. And, you know, you could tell that when he scored today, everyone came and, and hugged him immediately. He clearly had an amazing Europa League game against Bate on Thursday, um, was ripping shots uh, all over the place. He, he is a big, tall, strong guy. He he absolutely has all the physical tools to, to do it. I think where Sari is probably going to improve him the most is just tactical awareness on the defensive side. And uh, if he can figure that out, he's going to be a, a weapon for Chelsea this year, for sure. All right. Um, let us pivot to the striking situation, another hot topic amongst the questions. Uh, Dan, this time we have Charles. Uh, the same question the pundits on CFC Live asked, why did Murata get booked? Uh, to which Ugo responded, he stood up too fast in the ref's opinion. I mean, that has to be an absolute farce, uh, typical possum, if you ask me. But as we as we get back to more real things i would say steven smith saying do you think ruben loftus cheek could slot in as striker in the future he's got the build he's got the eye for goal is he the quick fix for our number nine issues no i mean i think to the point nick was making just a moment ago and and what emma was saying about you know just kind of the the care that the club is taking with him i think it would be a, a little foolish to try and play ruben as a striker um 
you know, I think the best thing is for him to get minutes and build confidence playing in the midfield and assisting and scoring and, and, you know, doing it effectively. I think if he goes out and plays striker once and it doesn't go well, um, you know, the, the rapid reaction of, you know, um, the, the social response to it will be, Oh my God, what, what a stupid move. Why did we put Ruben up there? Like, that's ridiculous. He should be in a different position. Uh, I think we should entrust the, you know, sorry, who's done a wonderful job. And I think we, you know, have not praised him enough. Um, you know, he is now the first manager for Chelsea in their first season to go unbeaten in 10 games. And, uh, you know, again, we talked about how horrific his start was at Napoli, where it was losses and draws for the first six or seven matches before he was able to bring in the winning mentality and assert his style of football. So, uh, no, don't, don't screw with it. Let him be a midfielder. Let him be a successful midfielder for Chelsea and let him create a absolute selection nightmare in the midfield. Because last season, if you don't remember, was absolutely abysmal when it was like, oh, okay, well, who are we going to pick for a midfield today? And it was really just, you know, N'Golo Conte plus whomever the other selection was, and it was usually miserable. So this is a really positive place to be. Credit to Sari, uh, credit to Ruben, but let him be a midfielder, Mike. Yeah, without without calling out Stephen, I, I think sometimes I, we won for nothing today, and yet we're talking about a striker problem. Our, our striker scored today. Murata played well. He he had some chances that he might have finished a little bit better. Uh, I think the I think the third opportunity was better than the second. But you know the way I look at it is I think sometimes we worry so much about you know future games or what's going on. I think we really just need to enjoy the beautiful football that we're watching on the pitch and not worry about the striker problems because. Like what you're saying, I mean, we're talking about 10 games unbeaten in the Premier League, but, you know, all competitions, you know, Sarri's got control of this. He's driving the boat forward where we need to go. So, you know, while maybe at times we're, you know, picking up a draw, we're not scoring the most goals ever, things are under control. And I think that given some time and another transfer window or so, we'll figure it out. And I'm not too worried about the current striker situation until, you know, it's really causing us a real a real issue. But that that's my two cents. I mean, I, I would think that the signs are there, right? I mean, would you say you're in love with the striking situation overall outside of just today? No, n- not not overall. I mean, again, I think it, it leaves some to be, you know, things to be wanted. But I, I do think that there is the possibility that we can you know i think you know i think there can be the growth and development you know maybe today it was just burnley and it was a one-off and murata was fired up and played well but you know i sorry's making these players better so i don't know i i still think that overall if we're going to do something rather than try and convert our hope for you know a chelsea youth player who like we said before should really be playing a number eight role or somewhere in the midfield as a striker let's go get a world-class striker and, you know let's fix that issue with a real striker and let ruben do what he does somewhere else hey i'm all for that i think that uh the whole chop and change of ruben uh definitely stunts his growth and only makes it more difficult for him um i you know january i've said this earlier the worst time to go get a striker uh but that might be the situation we're in hopefully not though uh you know we've obviously got the the pedro uh question does he slot in would ed hazard slot in um i i think that it, it's interesting so i'll write vru on instagram saying would you say Morata is getting better aside from the goal but the vision in Williams' goal where he passed it all the way back to set up Barkley for that pass to William was a smart play. Um, that might be a little bit more system than anything. He might be a benefit of the system on that. But I think today we really saw the sharpness to get into dangerous positions from Morata, which we haven't really seen all season, which is the problem. Uh, he also didn't have to engage center backs, which was a huge benefit for him. The more he can play... Uh, running at a defense rather than having his back to goal, he will always be a much, much more significant striker. So, um, you know, hopefully those situations can can help. And then Giroud came in at the end of the game, and he actually looked kind of ineffective, which was uh, a little ironic, but I, I still have... He had, he had two chances. He had two legit chances to score at the end of the game and couldn't put it in. I, I feel like he's cursed at this well, point. I mean, the, the, the side volley... 
you know, at the top of the box, that was audacious to say the least. Agreed. Like, yeah, yeah, but he, but the but the header the header should go in every time, and Joe Hart just somehow miraculously right. holds it. Right. Like, come on. I don't think he was ineffective at all. That's fair. Actually. No, that's fair. I was thinking more of like the link up play and the build up play. He he definitely did enough to to get on the score sheet and it just didn't happen. Um Yeah. So he's missing. I, I retract I retract that statement, Nick. That's fair. You've won that battle. Um what about the def- <laughs> the defense at a deal underscore Chelsea saying Alonzo has been getting exposed and often leaves his defensive duties and Louise is the left center back who's famous for his brain farts the other choice is Zappa Costa <clears throat> I would add uh, Palmieri to this as well and he is also not too defensive minded how do you think that Sari will address this issue I mean, Dan, he's essentially said that we're going to work on Alonzo's defensiveness. I, I think that the the plan is in place. Uh, as, as many people in the fantasy Premier League community would tell you, um, Alonzo has not scored a goal in a while. Uh, it's because Alonzo is also not moving as far forward as he has previously outside of maybe today when he uh, found a little bit more space forward. But mainly, I think that was due to Burnley being extremely compressed by how how often we were moving the ball around and uh, changing it uh, horizontally, uh, not just vertically. So, uh, you know, also ended up with the assists, which was a really plus positive. But yeah, I mean, he he's been asked to play a more defensive role. Uh, he assigned a an extension to his contract, which probably has given him a nice little pay raise as well. Keeps him in the club until his uh, early thirties. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone who is kind of described that Alonzo is uh, you know dead and is going to be replaced is probably looking at the wrong position to be rotated. I think if anything, um, Luis is probably the one who would be under uh, more you know kind of scrutiny at, at some point, Nick, because I think he's the one who ten- tends to make a mistake. I would say Alonzo it usually doesn't you know is, is kind of his issue is he's gone forward and then has not gotten back quick enough. Um, not recognizing when, but that's something that's easily more easily coached. I think, you know, Luis has those moments of magic, but has also those moments where it just seems like, um, you know, he took an Ambien uh, during the match. Oh, and, come on. <laughs> and wakes up and is like, oh, I just had a really bad mistake. I har- I heartily Look. disagree. And Nick, please follow up. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, uh, I think a deal you're, you're being a little harsh on, on Alonzo. I think, if you think back to like the Liverpool game and the, in the United game, he was playing a traditional left back role against teams who sit back like Newcastle earlier in the season and uh, Burnley and West Ham. He has to get forward a little bit more because, you know, the, the block eight that we, that we see in those situations or block 10 in some, in some cases, um, means that he has to start interchanging a little bit more to free up space for other players. So um, I, I would agree with Brandon's initial assessment that you know he is he's played a lot more defensively this year than than he has in, in the past. And there are not many teams that are spreading us out wide right now for some reason. Um, you know, Liverpool being an exception to that rule. So. Uh, I don't. I don't think we're in trouble there at all. And uh, you know, I think Louise, for all of his kind of early season, uh, you know, kind of mistakes, uh, I think has played four or five matches at a stellar level in a row. Um, so you know, again, we we said this at the beginning of the year. The defense is probably going to be the hardest thing for every you know for the for the team to kind of feel like they're a real contender. And you know, four nil, clean sheet. You know performance and then you know, clean sheets in the Europa League and you're starting to see this uh, system kind of work well with the spacing between each each layer so the defense and the midfield and the midfield to the attack so uh, I, I'm not I'm not worried about this yeah if, if I could jump into I, I think you know <laughs> overall the reason when when Alonzo is pushing up he's pushing up because that's the game plan and you know Typically, when you're playing two center backs, one guy is going to play as a destroyer and the other one's going to hold back a little bit. And that works with Louise to maraud forward, you know, and try and destroy plays and have the speed of Rudiger to sit behind him and catch up. And I think what we're seeing at times is that 
we're not watching the midfield get back properly the way they should. Uh, you know, you're not seeing a Barkley track back or uh, or Jorginho break up those plays to allow you know a Luis to you know to try and make that attempt and then have some coverage to get back. And I think once that defensive tactics are are handled then we're going to see a lot better performances. I mean, this is what Sari's saying when he was saying that Barkley and, and, and Cheek needed to work on defense. It's the tracking the back. It's allowing us to play. You know, it's kind of having that explosive, uh, you know, free safety or strong safety, you know, running around trying to blow things up before things happen. And, of course, you're going to look bad when that ball goes up over the top. But when Louise is cutting off those passes early, it, everybody's plotting. It's just – the ones you don't get look bad. That's that's my, you know, that's my take. Brandon, you? No, I'm gonna let you guys roll with it. I love it. Um, I, so I guess as we kind of get into this, it's just it's hard for me, Dan, when we put out serious questions and we get answers like "Go socks. Yeah, well, stupid. What what am I yeah, supposed to do with baseball. this? Thorny plush. Awful, right. You are just feeding into the Danimal. Yep, the Danimal. Well, I mean, you know, well, the animals got to eat, you know. Oh, no. uh, and, uh, the people know it, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> uh, turn off the animals, uh, Mike. <laughs> uh, Mr. Chelsea oh. FC wants to know: Was this the best Chelsea game or performance of the season so far? Nick, are you ready to put that little stamp on it? I thought I thought our our match against Southampton was pretty good, but I think this was probably better. So I'm going to go with yes. Question mark? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I actually thought we played as as a performance. I thought we played really well against Liverpool, and and we're unlucky to you know to maybe not come out of that with all three points. But um, but yeah, no. I think as, as far as like dominance goes, like this was this was sorry ball in full effect today. Just ping, 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 ping. Yeah, yeah. Southampton was zero uh, three win away. I mean, you've got Cardiff at home, which is four one. Born with two nothing, Arsenal three two. But again, was that the best performance? Definitely not defensively. And then Huddersfield three nothing at the beginning of the season, but that that was too early. Uh, I think that that's a great shout. It, it's definitely up there so far. Obviously, I'm not even looking at uh, Europa League competition, but come on, nothing that exciting. Uh, it kind of reminds me when we you know had that Everton the five nil Everton game. Right, like it just kind of all started clicking together, and you saw the personification of the idea and the philosophy being executed on the pitch. And uh, I don't know. I think today kind of felt like Sari's version of that. Is we had a chance to see, you know, what a team was going to do going at us. And you know, I credit to Dice for doing it, but boy, oh boy, he probably should have just sat back and absorbed pressure and tried to counter. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I felt really, really good about this. I think that it's 100% correct. It's the best game we've played comprehensively so far this season. Yeah. Richard Zayak, 14, saying, Your man of the match, question mark. Mine was great teamwork. Aw, everybody. Aww, ah, it's so bears. nice. <laughs> like, that's like the Care Bears type of answer. That was nice. Yeah. Oh, even Craig Pawson gets a participation no. trophy then. Uh, no. no, he was not no. on our team. No. <laughs> no. Uh, and then I love... No, uh, go ahead. No, sorry. No, you're fine. That was to say, I, th- I think it ties in with the last question. I-, I think it was probably the most complete team performance. You know, I mean, we're looking kind of at that Lombardi-like, you know, 11 players all doing their jobs. You know, we, we didn't have any real superstars, but it just, it worked and it clicked. And I think that was a, it was kind of a weird not to have that one player who just stood out heads and not to say that Barkley didn't have a great game, but you didn't have that just like that 10 from Hazard and kind of pretty good game from everyone else. It seemed like everyone just showed up and put in a shift. Uh, poor I am Luckman asking us on Instagram. I didn't see it. How did we do? I got good news for you, my man. <laughs> pretty... Pretty, 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 pretty good. good. Awesome. I appreciate all of your questions. Apologies I didn't get to all of them, uh, but nonetheless, they were all fantastic. So before we get into the Derby County Match Preview, Nick, I know you love talking about our newest partner of the pod. That's right. Classic football shirts. Uh, they uh, were kind of you know working through some of our... Uh, um, kind of plans with them right now, but uh, in the meantime and in between time, uh, you should uh, 
take 10% off using our referral link. So uh, we've uh, we posted that on uh, on Twitter today. Uh, so you'll see it on Monday morning. And then uh, it will be a part of our Instagram uh, link tree thing that, that Mike has set up as well. But it's uh, www.classicfootballshirts.co.uk forward slash London pod. 10% off, use it for shipping or whatever you want. But, uh, yeah, excited to partner with them. I know the, uh, the 90s Chelsea kits are coming back into vogue now. And, uh, and yeah, they're, they're really great. And we hope to go see their, uh, their new, uh, sh- uh like, uh, store, I guess, storefront. Yeah, storefront in, the, in London. They have, a, like, partnered with a brewery, which is really cool to, to do that. So, kind of the, the best of both worlds. But, yeah, excited about that. Classicfootballshirts.co.uk forward slash London pod. Yeah, I tell you what, that is right up our alley. Would love to visit that. Uh, all right, well, here we go. Derby County coming up in the Carabao Cup at Stanford Bridge on October 31st. A Halloween fixture. What a treat, Dan. Don't you know? Uh, you made the pun for me. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm trying to censor it a little bit and peel it back. This uh, this is a sold out match at Stamford Bridge, and it's a, a midweek match. It is the return of Frank Lampard, Jody Morris, uh, Chelsea Loney's Mason Mount, and Fioko Tomori getting an opportunity to play thanks to a special remit from the club line and do so. This is going to be, uh, I think, an absolute uh, cracker, Nick. I think so as well. Um, we're, I think we've all kind of had this earmarked since. Uh, since Derby County uh, beat Manchester United uh, a few weeks back. And uh, look, I mean, Frank Lampard's always going to have a special place at, at Chelsea and it's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting to see him on the opposing uh, touchline. But uh, look, this is, this is high stakes competitive football. Now, uh, you know, the, the nice storylines are, are there to be had, but at the end of the day, it's going to take a, a nice Chelsea performance to uh, advance in this competition and uh, and I I think we're going to get it on Wednesday. I, I do not think Maurizio Sarri will will want to be outdueled by a a first uh, first time manager. I think you know you got to be careful. We're talking about the giant slayers here. Well, mid table slayers knocking off Manchester United <laughs> and Pens at Old Trafford. It's uh, no honestly. Look, even with our rotation, uh, the team is clicking. Uh, there's a lot of people that want to play well so that they can get into the regular starting lineup as well. And you're at home in front of your crowd. I think the best part about this match for Frank Lampard is is the welcoming, the reception him and Jody are going to get. They are going to be welcomed like royalty at Stamford Bridge for everything that those two have done. And it's rightly deserved. You know, obviously Frank Lampard never really got a great send off at Chelsea. And I know he's been back, you know, he's walked the pitch at halftime and things like that. But uh, this will give the fans time to chant his name. And I think that that will be really special for Frank as well. And then when the whistle, you know, blows and, and the match kicks off, it's going to be, like you said, Nick, all business, strictly business. Uh, and Chelsea should take care of it in this match. I see no trip-ups, Mike. Uh, we will see some rotations, obviously, but um, with Europa League going very, very well, uh, I, I wonder if he might keep a bit stronger of a lineup knowing that Crystal Palace is on Sunday uh, at home. So really no travel this week. Yeah, I mean, we, we know that Frank's not afraid to score a goal when he returns to the bridge. Um, so he's going to be ready to go. And, you know, we've already seen United get taken down. So I think that, um, I think Sorry will be ready. I think we'll come out and I think we will, I, I'm hoping that we will knock them out, you know, badly. And, uh, you know, hopefully for everything else, you know, Mountain, uh, Morris and, and Frank that they do well. But, I think uh, it's going to, I think they'll be outclassed. Um, And uh, I think it should be a great game. Just great. Not fantastic. Not amazing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, It should be straightforward, right? Like we shouldn't be surprised at, at this match, but I think it is pretty cool. uh, Dan, that you mentioned that Chelsea gave special permission for uh, Tamori and Mount to play. You know, I think that that is in the long run. It's good. Do you think that, because it's Frank managing them, that maybe that was extra special consideration, yeah. maybe? 
I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm sure Frank, you know, Frank asked and, you know, I mean, the, the club obviously wants to do the right thing by, you know, Frank, by the players. I mean, you, you send them on loan so that they play to prove that they are ready to either move up or, you know, be sold at a, a profit to the level of football that they are capable of playing. And, you know, they have played, uh, the two of them, uh, integral roles in the Serbia County uh, lineup. Um, Tamori has been phenomenal defense. I think in the, one of the last two matches, he picked up a man of the match award. Um, he's, he's scored uh, defensively, a uh, defensive scorer, which is fantastic to see. Mason Mount has gotten goals and assists from his midfield position, uh, plays a very advanced midfield role in, you know, Lampard and, and Morris's structure. Um, Derby County is, you know, in sixth place right now in the championship. And you look at like the championship, like, oh, sixth place. It's not great. Um, their first place team is at 29 points. They're at 25 points. Uh, everyone from essentially 14th through the first place team, uh, is anywhere between 29 and 20 points. So it is a very compact and challenging league to win in. Uh, so I would expect that Frank would want to continue to impress in this competition, uh, as well as challenge for either a, a playoff spot or you know one of the uh, the top two. I mean, Sheffield United and Leeds have looked uh, pretty strong so far, but uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility that uh, Darby could do well. But I know that I am excited to see Mason Mount uh, play against his uh, future uh, at his future home in Sanford Bridge, Nick, and uh, I think it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I I expect uh, Ruben to uh, to get another start. You know, I'd like to see you know some uh, some change up. Hopefully, uh, see some Callum Hudson Adoy. Hopefully, see you know maybe a a little bit of uh, you know hopefully Pedro's feeling better. Um, hopefully, see a little bit of change up up top, and then you know Cahill, Christensen, Emerson, you know Zappa Costa brought in to. Uh, to give our, our back line a break. And, you know, I think if we can get this rotation kind of down and settled, you know, I think we're going to be in a good spot. Uh, you know, I fully expect uh, Fabregas to play as the Regista. All right. Well, let us know what you think is going to happen in this match. But you know what? I think that will do it. Obviously, Crystal Palace is around the corner, but I just can't be bothered to talk about them right now because, meh, it's Palace. <laughs> hey, two, two draw today. The huge um, favor. And, yeah, a huge, um, huge against Arsenal, and probably uh, got a little robbed in terms of uh, a handball that ended up being a goal. So um, they played uh, played decently, uh, and Roy has been on the hot seat. So it's a must win game for them. Every game is going to be a must win game for them right now. So uh, expect them to be the cage beast coming out to attack. All right. Well, I guess all I have to do is say I'm too lazy to do it, and then someone else will do it for me. So that was very nice of you. I appreciate that. No, you're welcome. Yeah, it's the benefit of being the host, Brandon. People do stuff for you. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to wrap us up again for this week's doubleheader. Uh, appreciate everyone listening out there. You guys are all fantastic. If there's anything we missed or that you wanted to hear, make sure to get in touch with us again on social media or via email on our website. Um, but you know what? Big week ahead. Make sure to get your sick notes written up and ready to go for Wednesday. I think the Derby County match will be really fun to watch. Uh, just, I, I, I can't imagine what our friends over there are going to, the environment is going to be like in the stadium at Stanford Bridge. Uh, so really looking forward to see what the atmosphere is like via the broadcast feed. But uh, that is going to wrap us up for this week yet again, Chelsea fans. So again, thank you all for being here and supporting us. And until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.